Welcome to the Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Michael Davis, and WrestleMania weekend is in the rearview mirror just until next year, right? So we saw returns, WrestleMania moments, heartbreak, glass shatter, and more. We dive into all of that. Plus, we put a bow on the legendary career of one of the greatest characters in professional wrestling history, The Undertaker, after he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. All that and more next on the show. Last week, we recorded the show looking ahead to WrestleMania. We did a review. Um, it's still on Spotify if you want to go listen to it. Uh, highly recommend. Uh, appreciate all the people who have been listening the past several weeks. We've had numbers skyrocket, so continue sharing with your friends. But now, we're on the backside of WrestleMania, and you know, obviously they were in Dallas, AT&T, say, and the Dallas Cowboys, so I was obviously... Uh, just enjoying my weekend watching a wrestling show in my favorite NFL team stadium. And, you know, the weekend kicked off with the Hall of Fame. It kicked off with a super-sized SmackDown. It kicked off with the NXT Stand Deliver. Um, I didn't get to watch too much of the SmackDown episode, but the Hall of Fame was great. Um, we'll talk about The Undertaker's uh, induction ceremony later in his career. Um, NXT Stand Deliver was pretty pretty good um shout out to cameron grimes winning the north american championship in the ladder match that was a great moment but you know we dive into wrestlemania saturday um first of all did not i'm going to get this out of the way first did not appreciate the pre-show for both nights being two hours long and having no matches whatsoever um you definitely could have highlighted some nxt talent you could have given people a lot longer matches. Um, and I'll mention the New Day uh, in a moment. But we didn't have any uh, kickoff matches. With that said, um, the first match to take place for WrestleMania was the Usos versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs. And this is kind of heartbreaking. Um, this was the heartbreak part of it. Um, Rick Boogs uh, injured his knee during the match. He went to have one Uso on his shoulders, uh, have the next Uso on his shoulder, and two seconds later, his knee gives out. And at first, I was like, that didn't look good, but okay, they're going to play it off, play it off. And then all of a sudden, they end the match pretty quickly, pretty abruptly. So I'm assuming this match was supposed to go longer than seven minutes. Um but Shinsuke Nakamura ate the 1D and the Usos retained, which I, I saw that result coming, of course. But, you know, it's kind of unfortunate when Rick Boogs, who, you know, just a couple years ago during COVID, having a hard time finding his footing in WWE, finally gets paired with Shinsuke Nakamura as his electric guitarist. And he's worked his way up to a WrestleMania match. And to open WrestleMania with an injury, let alone your first ever WrestleMania, uh, you don't know if you ever get that opportunity again. Um, so my heart went out to Rick Boogs in that moment. But, you know, night one overall was pretty, like, it was great. Um, head and shoulders above night two. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin didn't even get 10 minutes 
which I didn't expect this match to go super long, and you don't need this match to go super long. The rivalry has went long enough. Um, but one big thing of that match was how they put it together where Drew McIntyre is now the first person ever to kick out of end of days. And I'm sure my dad, he's listening to this, and he heard me say beside him, like, as soon as Corbin hit end of days, I'm like, well, that's it. And then he kicked out. I was like, oh, whoa, that was a WrestleMania moment. Like, Corbin has protected that finisher forever. And Drew McIntyre comes back and wins the match. Um, and so I don't know if we get to see Corbin, you know, with a new finisher. Now that somebody's kicked out of end of days, that'd be pretty cool. Um, retired the end of days finisher, or at least use it as a signature move um, in the future. But Corbin and Moss having some difficulties that you got to look out for that. Um, and then next... The Miz and Logan Paul team up against Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. This is where I'm just like, what happened? Okay. Um, it was reported, you know, weeks in advance that Logan Paul hadn't done much training and not put much effort into it. And looking into interviews he's done uh, last week, like that confirms that. Um, but you couldn't tell by his uh, in-ring work. Um, obviously if you look at the match, kind of taking y'all back, like you saw the Miz work with Dominic or Ray work with Logan, like, or the Miz work with Ray is very seldom, very low chance, like maybe about five time percent time in the match where Paul and Dominic Mysterio work together. Um, so they really did a great job of protecting both Logan Paul and Dominic Mysterio, um, cause you know, they couldn't carry each other. Um, Logan Paul's a natural heel. You know, he did the Three Amigos and hit the Frog Splash um, as a as an A Guerrero tribute, but the fans didn't take it that way. Um, and then for Miz and Logan Paul to win the match, I was like, okay, that was interesting. I wonder where Logan Paul goes from here. Um, obviously, reports are he got a hug from Vince McMahon afterwards, and he's like, your business, your future is here. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see if Logan Paul ever shows up. But the Miz hitting the school-crushing finale on Logan Paul after the match makes me think, like, are they about to turn the Miz face? And I'm against it, obviously, because the Miz is a natural heel. But the Miz, the Miz has kind of gotten a little stale. In that regard, you know, I don't know how he can freshen himself up as a face. Um, but looking at the next year, Roman Reigns needs challengers. Spoiler alert. Uh, Roman Reigns needs challengers and the Miz, as long as he's a heel, is going to be stuck in the mid card or is going to be stuck in the same place he was the last two years where he's in a tag team match with a celebrity. Um, and then the next four matches of the night were just really, really solid. Like, this was the most solid uh, back half of a WrestleMania I can remember in some time. Like, Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch tore the house down their Raw Women's Style match. Um, I want to say this isn't over. Um, I don't know how if Becky will take time off after this loss, but um, 
time will tell. And then Seth Rollins and his WrestleMania opponent, and it's finally revealed that is Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is in WWE. Like, the entire time, and don't get me wrong, this was a great match. This was perhaps the great, the best match in ring-wise the entire weekend. And I'm including SmackDown. I'm including NXT Stand Deliver. I definitely include Monday Night Raw, which we'll get to that later in the show. But this was one of the better in-ring works of the weekend. And I'm not surprised because Cody and Seth are great competitors. But you wondered what it would feel like. You wondered what it would be like. Like everybody knew it was going to be Cody. And if it wasn't Cody, the fans were going to be really disappointed. And they were going to turn quick. But Cody comes out like it's an AEW match. He comes out with his American nightmare gimmick on. Like he comes out to Kingdom by Downstate. Like he comes up from the floor. Like he, they made this vi- like everything he was in AEW. They copied and pasted over to WWE. There's no hint to his, you know, past persona in WWE as dashing Cody Rhodes or, you know, even Stardust, which you know he won't he won't be going by Stardust for sure. That was apparently one of the uh, stipulations, even though he hit a uh, cartwheel and then a Stardust taunt during the match. But this. I wanted to enjoy this match. And and this is where I have to part for a minute or two. I really wanted to enjoy this match. Because Cody, Seth Rollins, like it's a dream match. Like we get two at the prime of their career at WrestleMania. Like I should be fully glued to my screen. But I'm having trouble. Like this, this just didn't feel right. Like this didn't sit well. Um. It's very, it's very surreal, and while I appreciate the match, while I appreciate like, oh, this is exciting, it it didn't feel right. The guy that took AEW and you know created it, and then is the first one to leave and debuts at WrestleMania using his AEW stuff. Like it's, it's like I created a, you know. A match on WWE 2K. I downloaded Cody Rhodes off Community Creations. And used him against Seth Rollins. Like that is exactly. What it looked like. And what it felt like. I I was like wow. This. This is unsettling. Great match. Not taken away from the match. It felt like for me. When DeMarco Murray went to the Philadelphia Eagles. You know. After just having one of the best. Seasons, he goes to the Eagles. This would be like seeing Kobe Bryant in a Celtics jersey. Like This is probably what Packer fans felt when they saw Brett Favre in a Vikings jersey. Like There's just certain things that if you look at it, it doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. And that was one of those moments. And I don't know what I'll look back on and watch this match again in five years. And what I'll think about it, will I be like, okay, Cody 
this was a great move for your career. This set up so much. Like, awesome. Will I be like, oh, now Seth's in AEW. What, they just did a huge switcheroo. Like, I don't know what I'll look back on with this match. This feud might not be over, and I hope it's not, because Seth and Cody can obliterate each other on the mic. You know how much Dusty influenced Seth's career. Obviously, Dusty being Cody's father. Um, but th those are my thoughts around that match. Great match, but a very uneasy feeling in my stomach. Uh, moving on to Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. Um, that ended in pinfall, and Charlotte won the match. Um, they got a decent chunk of time, too. They got about the same amount of time as the SmackDown or the Raw Women's title match. And I had low expectations for this match. Uh, just be quite honest with you. Um, not a fan of Ronda's work. I don't know if she was in ring shape uh, when she came back for the Royal Rumble. But not bad. Uh, Charlotte winning. Was very grateful for that. And hearing that Ronda Rousey took that spot from Sasha Banks, which this is all rumor and hearsay, um, was really disappointing. But the match didn't disappoint. I just hope that Sasha eventually gets her moment in the sun, which I'll talk to her about in the next segment. And then the KO show that turns into the No Holds Barred match. Um, as soon as you see Kevin Owens come out, his hands are taped. All right, okay, something's going down. Then when Austin comes out wearing both knee braces, uh, jean shorts, like the knee braces was the one that set it off. So now Stone Cold comes down. Kevin's like, okay, I got to be honest. This was all ploy to get a match with you at WrestleMania. He's not going to turn it down. And this stole the show. Like this... This was one of the greatest moments of WrestleMania. Like how how cool was this? Like me, you know, I was I wasn't born in Stone Cold. I wasn't I was born in Stone Cold's prime, but I wasn't old enough to really see Stone Cold's prime. You know, I was born in the late nineties. So he retires in two thousand three. I really get into wrestling weekly about two thousand four, two thousand five. And never got to see Stone Cold wrestle. Definitely never got to see Stone Cold wrestle his final match. And 19 years out of the ring, it finally culminated into a match. If they had just, if they had just done a KO show, it would have been very disappointing. But I'm so glad they did the match. I wish they had kind of marketed the match, but they kept the surprise element, which now I understand. Um, but Stone Cold actually wrestled. A no holds barred match like this was a typical stone cold late 90s match you're fighting into the crowd he takes a superplex or suplex into the crowd or on the floor like it was everything um owens super sold everything as if stone cold's the superman hero um that was one of the most entertaining parts of the weekend um it was an honor seeing stone cold wrestle a match and you know go out on his own terms in dallas 19 years later and kevin owens you know re-signing with wwe not sure how that was going to affect him and he gets a really nice rub from stone cold in his final match like that was cool but when we come back we're going to talk about night two yes night two of wrestlemania 
next. Welcome back to the Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Davis, and we just got done talking about night one of WrestleMania, and now we go sliding into night two. This was... I was very hyped after night one of WrestleMania, like especially those final four matches of the women's, Cody and Seth, and Stone Cold and Kevin Owens. I'm like, okay, night two, the card doesn't look great, but we'll see. Um, the triple threat tag was... You know, pretty good. I wish they had given them like four or five more minutes of time. It ended around 11.30, give or take. Um, but Orton and Riddle retain, probably keeping them with the titles for just a little bit longer, keeping them as a team a little bit longer. Um, and then we go Bobby Lashley and Omos, and I'm like, okay, um, I'm, I'm seeing where this is going, right? Like, you know. Saw it a little earlier in the night one where a heel would win, face, heel, face. Um, so I'm like, okay, Omos is, is going to get, you know, to eat on Bobby Lashley. And surprisingly, Lashley won. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and then fast forward to Raw where MVP turns on Bobby Lashley and sign with Omos, which, if I may, great pairing. Like, Lashley came out, came to the ring without MVP um, on WrestleMania Sunday, and they play on that fact that now Lashley is too good for MVP and whatever. But now you pair MVP with Omos, who definitely needs the mic piece. Um, I don't necessarily love Lashley on the microphone, um, so please, please limit that. But for Lashley to get a big win over Omos, like they are setting Lashley as a face up for Roman Reigns. And you could go so many different directions. You could go Bobby Lashley. You could go Drew McIntyre. And I don't want to see Cody Rhodes quite yet. But I feel like we might see Cody Rhodes. Like those, those are going to be one of the... Those are going to be the three. And I would say AJ Styles as well. Um, those are going to be the big stories over the course of the next year. As you wait for next year's WrestleMania. Um, and then the next match was Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn, and I'm going to be completely honest, I'm seeing a lot of positive feedback from, uh, a lot of the wrestling fans. I'm like, okay, um, personally, it didn't stick with me, because I've never watched a lot of Johnny Knoxville's movies, um, so the characters, I'm like, okay, cool, this would be a cool pop if I needed it. Um, I just... I never really got in this match. Um, I was like, I know they're going to do silly, stupid stuff. Um, the table with the mouse traps, you know. I was like, okay, that's that's pretty creative. I'll give that the bowling ball, you know, pretty cool spot. Remind me of a lot of a hardcore championship match back in '98, '99. Um, but then they messed up the. <laughs> I mean. You have you have these main contraptions like one's bound to not work completely right, and that's what we had at the finish of Sami Zayn getting trapped in a mousetrap, kind of not making him look weak, at the same time making him look weak because he's losing to Johnny Knoxville, and Knoxville gets a win over Sami Zayn, but 
you know, we'll come to see that all the celebrities won their matches, which I have a problem with. Um, and then next, yo, I went on the show last week, like, hey, Sasha Banks needs the win. Uh, she's she's never won at WrestleMania, and she finally won. She got the pinfall for her and Naomi for the women's tag team titles. It's not beating Charlotte at WrestleMania, but Sasha Banks is finally um, beating the curse and won at WrestleMania. Um, then we moved into Edge and AJ Styles, which blew blew me away right here. Like, um, it wasn't the dream match that we had all thought we would get, but this new side of Edge, pretty good. And I love, love, love how both of these guys can put together a story in a match. Like, they can they can go hard on the mic and promos like leading up to an event, but when the match is there, like they tell a whole different story or a complete story within the match. It's not that they're wrestling, it's that they're telling the story. Two of the best storytellers in the business right now, in my opinion. And with Damian Priest beat staying at ringside and distracting AJ Styles for Edge to his spear from the springboard. Man, I am so, so, so excited that Edge is going to have a faction and, you know, he's going to get to lead Damian Priest. Other people are rumored like uh, Tommaso Ciampa, um, Rhea Ripley. I don't, I don't think this faction needs a girl just for the sake of having a girl. Um, Rhea Ripley's been doing her thing with Liv Morgan. I don't know if that's still going after Monday's Raw, but... Um, super excited for Edge and Damian Priest. It's going to be cool seeing Damian Priest get that rub. And this would this would be the chance, right? Like, this would be the chance that Damian Priest has to become a star. If you're not a star after this faction with Edge, then, then he's going to be released in two years, which I don't see happening. I think this is going to be really great for his career. AJ Styles might assemble a team, might team up with Finn Balor. Who knows? That'd be pretty cool. Um, but I I can totally see AJ Styles being back in the world title picture by the end of the year. And that leads me to the two-minute, not even, match between the New Day and Sheamus and Rich Holland. Um, Kofi and Xavier came out in Big E gear to you know support him. Obviously, had broken his neck about six weeks ago. Um, but this match was originally night one. They ran out of time. They cut it, um, and then they moved it to night two, and instead of having it on the kickoff show, they have it on the main card. They squeeze it in there, and it's one minute, 40 seconds, and it ends quicker than you can think, and this was super disrespectful. Those wrestlers, like, I, I was really upset because I'm like, you have... A total of four hours of programming for your kickoff show both nights. You you have to know and understand, like, okay, some things are going to run over because it's WrestleMania. Um, there's so many different advertisements, whatever. But can you at least give us one kickoff match for each night? 
And guess what happens, okay? You get New Day and Sheamus and Ridge Holland one night. Um, I would even say you give the Usos and Nakamura and Boogs the other night. Um, that would have been my pick or the women's tag team match. And you know what? You give them more time. Um, you give the women's tag 13 minutes. You give the New Day and Sheamus and Ridge Holland 12 minutes. Like, you give them more time. And now we're going to look back and we're going to be like, that was so forgettable. That did nothing for anyone in that match. Why? Like, why? Um, I was really disappointed in that. Um, and then we turn into Pat McAfee and Austin Theory, which it doesn't help that this match was put on afterwards. Um, Pat McAfee and Austin Theory was okay. Um and I mentioned this on the show last week. You would see a difference between Pat McAfee versus Adam Cole versus uh, Pat McAfee and Austin Theory. Okay? You would see a difference because Adam Cole is one of the world-class performers. And Austin Theory is not bad. Like, he is the future of the business, presumably. But Pat McAfee wasn't able to do a lot of his stuff. Like, that, that was telling of the match. And then you have a broadcaster pat mcafee beat austin theory at wrestlemania and and here's where logic starts to defy itself and i see wwe reverting back like wrestlemania was cool because night one was like a bubble like it was like okay vince probably didn't write this he probably did but for some reason he was okay and he was great and you know we came away from night one satisfied Fast forward to night two, and you have your future, quote-unquote, of the business losing to a broadcaster. And pretty clean, too. Um, and then you have Vince McMahon, which I believe Vince McMahon is uh, 76 years old. Um, he'll turn 77 in August. You have him step in the ring and face Pat McAfee, who just beat the future of your business, Austin Theory. And in four minutes, you have a 76-year-old Mr. McMahon squash Pat McAfee. And it just looks every, – every single move just looks bad. And I'm like, okay, if – if I introduced a person who doesn't like wrestling to night one, they'll be like, oh my gosh, that was awesome. You know, so cool. Like, let me watch night two. And then they watch night two and they're like, okay, this just ruined all the credibility in the world. And it, this, and here's the problem is like the McAfee theory match lasted 10 minutes. The man McAfee match lasted about four minutes and then you had you know at least 15 20 minutes extra of now stone cold comes out and tries to give a stunner to mr mcmahon and that is that needs to be erased from my memory i need to you know see a doctor about that about having that part of my memory removed because that is not what i want the final stunner between austin mcmahon to ever be that was horrible do not even look it up. Do not put yourself through that torture. It was bad. Um, and it was 
it was like, man, you just cut New Day and Seamus and Rich Holland to two minutes, and you're going to give this 25 minutes right before your main event, too. Like, right before your main event when fans should be hype. Now, we have a bad taste in our mouth after, honestly, our intelligence was insulted. Our intelligence was insulted that night. And now you go into the main event, uh, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, and I'm confused. Okay, obviously, we talked on the show last week, like, this needed to be, this needed to dominate night two. Like, this needed to be a big, prominent part of night two. And it was the second longest match, or third longest match, actually, of the night. Um, and if you put it on night one's card, you know, it would be the fifth longest uh, match of the night. Like, Reigns Lesnar only lasted 12 minutes, um, gave us all the finishers in the world. Um, but I'm curious if Roman actually got hurt. And got injured because in the Kimura lock, um, Lesnar lets go. Rain says it's out, it's out. There's something visibly wrong with Roman's uh, arm, shoulder. And then a minute later, he hits a spear and beats Brock Lesnar and can't lift his arm. So I don't know if... And plus, it was like... This is like 11.43. About... 11.43 at night, um, so he had 17 minutes. I'm thinking this match got cut at least 8, 10 minutes short, um, which is really disappointing. They needed a Lesnar-Angle-type match from WrestleMania 19 uh, to really capitalize on the biggest WrestleMania match of all time, which it was unifying the titles. Um, but yeah, obviously you can tell my excitement for night one, and then... Honestly, after Edge AJ Styles, I should have went to bed and went on a high note because uh, the back half of that show was very disappointing. Um, speaking of disappointing, next we're going to talk very briefly about the Raw after Mania. Um, and later in the show, we're going to talk about The Undertaker joining the Hall of Fame next. Welcome back to the Drop the Mic Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Davis, and uh, before we talk about The Undertaker, um, very weak Raw after Mania. Um, nothing advancing much. Uh, Cody was the highlight of the night, uh, doing a really good promo, um, talking about why he came back and is to become WWE Champion, uh, of course. Um, very emotional promo. Um, who's next for Cody? I think it. I think it'll take a while till we see Cody versus Roman Reigns, and he might be the guy to take the title off Roman next year. Of course, after we get The Rock and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, um, but I would love to see Seth Rollins and that feud continue um, for several months, and you can do so much with them. Um, speaking of insulting. Uh, our intelligence with the way WrestleMania ended, uh, Ezekiel is here. So let's walk with Ezekiel. Um, they have stripped Elias of everything. Um, 
it's kind of embarrassing. They've stripped him of the guitar and the beard and uh, the chest hair and the gear. Like, is a completely different person. He comes out and he says, my name is not Elias. My name is Ezekiel, the younger brother of Elias. Uh, Kevin Owens calls it out. I want to see how this goes. Um, we saw something similar in TNA uh, with Joseph Park and Abyss. Uh, we'll see. We'll we'll see how this goes. Um, mentioned Cody uh, wanting the WWE Championship, but what is Roman's next challenge? Apparently, uh, on SmackDown, we're going to find out who his next challenge is. My money is on Drew McIntyre, assuming that Lashley's still feuding with Omos, and we have uh, AJ Styles potentially still feuding with Edge. And Cody, hopefully, still feuding with Seth Rollins. Um, that was another thing about WrestleMania. It never clear-ended a uh, rivalry other than Reigns-Lesnar. Um, maybe charlotte Ronda. Um, my bet would be Drew McIntyre. Uh, I think it will be Drew McIntyre who comes out. Um, or worst-case scenario, you got Cody who comes out to answer the challenge, and then Seth interrupts, and then we got triple threat at Backlash. Um, but yeah, um, very weak Raw after Mania, um, the fans were like, my intelligence is insulted so bad, they reverted back to, uh, their old writing style, um, so WrestleMania was a nice bubble, particularly night one, um, but at least we got to see Veer, <laughs> alright, um, so I want to quickly switch gears now to The Undertaker. Um, the Undertaker retired uh, last, mm, not this past November, the November before at Survivor Series. Um, they did a whole special thing for him. Um, and his Hall of Fame speech was awesome. Like, um, really resonated um, and got to see a very different side of The Undertaker and I'm glad he kept the kayfabe as long as he did. Um, but now it's so cool that he's allowing us to see part of who he is as a person. And hopefully he can inspire uh, so many people to either go into the wrestling business or just chase their dream and follow their dream. Um, really great motivational Hall of Fame speech that took you through like what made The Undertaker. Um, it was really cool. Um, there will be nobody like him. Uh, the streak wasn't even thought about before. Oh, now he has 10 wins, and, you know, Undertaker didn't even know, and now it's like, oh, we may have something here. Like, the streak came very organically, which was so, so cool. Um, I absolutely love that. Um, and, of course, Lesnar ending the streak, and, you know, there's been mixed feelings about that. Um, Lesnar and Roman Reigns will be the only two people who have ever beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. And it's kind of fitting how the last eight years have, has been set up because of The Undertaker. Like, Brock Lesnar ends the streak. Whether you like him or not, or wish he was around more, like, you know, Lesnar ended up putting over Roman Reigns, who was also put over by Undertaker at WrestleMania. Um, so that was 
that was really cool um, that the streak meant something. Um, I wish they had acknowledged it just a tad bit more during the ceremony, uh, during the weekend. But kudos to him for remaining relevant. Like, it wasn't just a streak. Um, probably around 2012, 2013, it was like, okay, the Undertaker's moving more towards... Uh, more towards part-time, like, he has to show up for WrestleMania, who's going to challenge him, um, but to you guys, <laughs> he broke barriers, like, um, first off, with dark characters, like, having his character be so fresh, like, having his character be so fresh from this dead mortician kind of guy, to the Ministry of Darkness, to uh, the Biker Taker, to Resurrection of the Dead Men, which was kind of a, like, blend between his, like, human biker persona versus the mortician, like, combined. And he he just remained relevant. Like, characters usually like that, especially those very gimmicky ones, fade. After three years. And fans get unarrested. And they're like oh yawn. But if you look back at his career. He never garnered that reaction from fans. Even in his later years. Where he was clearly broken down. And couldn't do a lot of the stuff in ring. They wanted to or once did. He, he just did amazing. And big man too. Like he broke barriers for big men. Because you didn't see guys over 6'8", or, you know, over 300 pounds, wrestling more than 10 matches, 10 minutes a match. Like, they would they would do their thing and go home. Undertaker uh, would wrestle 30-minute classics, um, some that we'll be watching for the rest of our time. And uh, if you haven't had a chance, go, wa- go watch Undertaker's Hall of Fame speech. Well-deserved. One of the greatest characters of all time. And... Um, by the speech, one of the best people who ever did it was very loyal to WWE, never had a conversation with WCW uh, to jump ship, uh, nor would he ever take that call. But uh, that's all about WrestleMania weekend. I hope you enjoyed WrestleMania weekend. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and I will see you back next week right here on the show. Thank you all.